important to think about the cultural framework within the organization in terms of you know that commitment to convergence of EPM and ERM. Many of the organizations, the ones that are leading the way on this, they have a change plan in place on how they're going to address operational process changes to do this. And the best ones really have that executive appetite to keep going for, to keep learning more about how to do it, to keep thinking about how they're going to put this convergence in place. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello, and welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Director Sean Fitzgerald, and today we'll be talking about the convergence of enterprise risk management and enterprise performance management, and how companies are evolving their capabilities in these areas. I'm joined by Principal and EPM Advisory North American Practice Leader, Sherry Lau, and Director Kimberly Meyer-Dennis, who is responsible for enterprise performance management, business intelligence, and finance. Welcome, Sherry, and welcome, Kimberly. We look forward to today's discussion. So jumping in to the first question, in today's business climate, driven by ongoing geopolitical uncertainty, supply chain challenges, and inflation, how is risk management evolving or becoming part of enterprise performance management? And Sherry, let's start with you. Sure. Thanks, Sean. Well, there's certainly a lot to take in these days with today's climate, the ever-changing pieces that are fitting into the broader stage for what's happening for many organizations to contemplate the ongoing uncertainty as well, just how that might play out, right? Whether it's got some kind of impact in some particular region of the world that has impacts on supply chain, or now we've got labor shifts happening. So there's a lot going on in that conversation. I think more than ever, finance especially is being asked to help navigate and bring in that context when it comes to discussing performance, right? It's not necessarily something that you do as a part of, you know, kind of after looking at results, but it's got to be in context to presenting the results. And so we're starting to see certainly a shift into how much of that aspect of these different things, you know, how much of those types of risk are now really early on being assessed as well as incorporated into how we model where the business is landing and how we explain what more we can do differently potentially to change the impact or the trajectory of those results. So it's especially important now and actually even expected, right, as a partner in supporting different stakeholders of the business that we incorporate those aspects of discussion into explaining performance. That's very interesting. And Kimberly, how and where are companies specifically looking at and incorporating risk into their enterprise performance management processes? It's really interesting because when we look at enterprise performance management, we're looking at the processes starting out with strategic planning, through annual planning, forecasting, and then the outcome of it in terms of business reporting and business analysis. And when we think about risk, if we start at the beginning of that cycle in terms of strategic planning, 
The real focus around there is around making sure that risk is incorporated and that from a scenario modeling standpoint, so when you're looking at your strategic planning over a five-year basis, you're taking a look at the different risks that may become dominant and taking a look at alternative scenarios for them. We're also seeing within the strategic planning side that we're seeing that finance is really taking a step up in terms of encouraging their board of directors to make sure that they have strong oversight of those risks and partnering with the ERM team to focus in on that and encouraging analysis of these risks in terms of whether they're going to have a material impact on the business in terms of the financial environment or the operational environment. When we step forward to forecasting, we also see that businesses and the finance is really focused on making sure that the key risk indicators are incorporated into the forecasting process. And then similarly, through the business reporting and analysis side. What's interesting is that when we take a look at our research into this area, we don't see that risk is as incorporated into the annual planning stage as it is more obvious in the other aspects of the EPM cycle. And the thought process behind that is that the top performers really can segment the focus on annual planning being all about management commitment and sort of the KPI and KR considerations. Those are incorporated in the strategic planning and then the forecasting element. But when you're talking about annual planning specifically, the real focus is around driving commitment around the operational plans. That's all very interesting. And digging a little deeper, I mean, what categories of risk should companies really be looking at and why? And are there any particular either by sector or geo considerations when when thinking about risk in the context of EPM? Well, there are certainly the usual suspects, Sean, that we see, right? I think there are very few now these days that don't take a look closer at supply disruption. I mean, that's an ongoing piece. Inflation, certainly in those sectors and industries where they're particularly sensitive to that as well, that has become a huge area of variation and review as a part of discussing performance. Any sector that's got changes with consumer preferences or shifts, So your retail, your consumer product space, any of those, they quite often and almost always explain performance with respect to, you know, how things are changing with who they're connecting, who's buying their product in those end states. But we're now starting to also see how that's impacted in some areas with life sciences, particularly with medical devices and with healthcare providers, you know, how some of those things are also being incorporated as to how we account for those kinds of shifts and changes where we're running our businesses now, which is somewhat new. Of late, we've seen a heightened increase on cyber and information security. We've seen some of that in the news in the last 12 months, right, where organizations are starting to observe that they need to potentially amp up on some of those aspects with attacks and cyber type issues at play. And we see that consistently also with our research that top performers consistently look at categories related to cyber information security, shifts with consumer preferences, and even reputational type risk factors as well, right, to their own organizations. So those are some examples of different kinds of risks that we prevalently see. And certainly, as Kimberly just mentioned, the degree to which you model that across how it's affecting performance and tracking, right, whether it's a one-time discussion when you're setting your strategy, or if you're actually incorporating and modeling that as you go through the year in your plan and your forecast cycles, that tends to be the real differentiator for how these organizations are tracking on categories of risk and managing to the level of detail to explain performance. 
share your thought on with that in terms of looking at that consistency across the cycle. So we know, for example, within top performers and having that consistent incorporation, if we take a look at cybersecurity, which most, well, actually all top performers take a look at cybersecurity, and, and it's quite prevalent among the peers as well. They look at it at every stage of their cycle, from strat plans to annual plans, forecasts, and foron. But if we take a look at something such as reputational risk, we can see a drop off in the peers that, you know, they look at it from a strategic planning standpoint, but then it completely falls by the wayside when they look at it through through the rest of their EPM cycle. Very much so. Very much so. And probably one last category of risk I'll call out of late that we've seen with our clients and continue to monitor is this aspect of fluctuations with rates and interest rates, exchange rates, all that like that's really impacting a lot of decisions from, you know, where we make investments, potentially to even what we should be doing differently with capital. So that's something that is, you know, kind of emerging, started to happen as a part of explaining results and conversations with decision support the back half of last year. And we continue to see that impact through this year as well. So certainly the key theme here is understand kind of the diversity of risks that your organization has at hand that are relevant to your sector. But then don't be afraid to model that thoroughly right through the course of your different plan events so that you can track on how risky that continues to be or, you know, is that a different kind of frequent frequency of conversation to have? Yeah, and I think there's an addition in terms of making sure that, you know, not only are you not afraid to do those, but also that you think about sort of the temporal risks that come about, the new ones, if you will. So, for example, a protracted uh, pandemic, that's not something that was likely modeled in 10 years ago. Very much. (laughs) And, you know, it's something that it may be a while before that falls off is, is not a huge concern to make sure you model in, but for the time being, that is still very much a, a focus area for a lot of organizations. Those are some really great examples of categories of risk and, and what people should be thinking about and, and modeling, which leads us to our, our next question, which is really how should you model these risks in the context of EPM, whether it's at a strategic plan and annual operating plan or even just uh, forecasting efforts that companies are undertaking? Kimberly, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the most important thing that you can have is really that strong relationship with the risk management team and making sure that your modeling is integrated and incorporated so that it's cohesive and it's regarded, well regarded by both the finance team and the ERM team. And so from that standpoint, you know, making sure that there's agreement on the risks that are being tracked and defining the financial parameters around those are the key risk indicators. Are they well governed? Are they well defined? And the related financial impacts also defined and governed. Then from there, it's all about the capabilities around the scenario modeling. Can you incorporate different scenarios within the use predictive modeling to assess the financial impacts around them? And then making sure that it's incorporated at every stage of the cycle, whether it be from the scenario planning or strategic planning all the way into the business analysis. Interesting. So taking us to our, our last question for today's session is, for the both of you, do you have good examples or case studies or, or just, you know, some best practices of people and organizations that are doing a good job at incorporating risk management into their enterprise performance management processes and capabilities? Yeah, I think what's easy to lose sight of sometimes in today's environment with where we have access to so much information, right, is to really have a good handle of what are those 
key areas that we really should continue to monitor because it has meaningful impact, right? The filter, if you will. So we certainly see some client organizations taking a broad swab across the board of monitoring any and all risks. And for a while, early on, a few years back, there was a bit of a reset to understand perhaps we have more on the table than, than we previously had that we have to talk through, right? And so that was a good order to do that. I think as we've progressed and continue to live in this different kind of uncertainty environment now, organizations who have gone through that type of exercise have a better handle of the kinds of material risk that they need to continue to monitor and model. So if you haven't done that prior exercise, that's certainly something worthwhile, because if anything, there was a bit of a reset factor on that early on a few years back when everything, right, was just, you know, not coming in as expected because we had so many factors at bay. For those organizations that have done that type of analysis and worked where they've gone through and revised, okay, these are the handful of risks that we need to continue to monitor. Those that do this well really have incorporated this and continue to monitor how closely linked are they potentially to drivers related to, you know, their performance. So they've studied the relationships of that and they have then, you know, once those have been verified, they include that in the modeling of their forecasts or their performance or their what if scenarios. We know certainly one company in particular, a couple companies that do this well, there is a raw materials uh, input goods manufacturer that we work with who was able to do some early on analysis with this and was able to materially link certain types of prices related to key raw materials that they use that highly fluctuated on their cost basis more dramatically than usual, right? And so they now have revised their frequency in evaluating costs because that seemed to have a real material impact to how they're actually looking at the true pricing that needed to take place later on or the margin. And so it was really fluctuating at a different rate, right, than previously when they would look at things maybe once a quarter or once a year, just a different environment, right? And so being aware of that, being sensitive to that, that really helped them make better decisions at a different pace. And that's a true example of resetting how we should be looking at performance, both just from the contents, but also the frequency and the horizon of which maybe those things have changed now, right? And when was the last time we looked at that cadence, right? So those that kind of evaluate that full framework and structure of it do quite well. We also work with another chemical space manufacturer that did something similar where they really took the time to understand through sensitivity analysis, different input ingredients with their business that really had high fluctuations because of supply disruption or because they were seeing that there were regulatory changes coming that, gosh, we we didn't anticipate in this part of the world. So being able to incorporate those aspects right earlier on in the discussion or the review or even the forecast build helped them better explain what they could be doing differently or why things were happening, right? And that just becomes a different, richer, fuller conversation when you talk about results as opposed to just the pure numbers of sorts. So those are two that I had top of mind, Sean, for you. I don't know, Kimberly, if there are others that you want to highlight? Yeah, I think it's important to think about sort of the cultural framework within the organization in terms of that commitment to convergence of EPM and ERM and making sure that management sees that as something that, that needs to be addressed. We know that that our top performers have taken that case. 
So many of them have, you know, a clearly articulated business case around this, a clear vision on how they're going to converge EPM and ERM and bring those two mindsets together, because it is a really important factor of, of managing your performance. And so that, you know, the stakeholders are committed to it. Many also organizations, the ones that are leading the way on this, they have a change plan in place on how they're going to address operational process changes to do this. And the best ones really have that executive appetite to keep going for it, to keep learning more about how to do it, to keep thinking about how they're going to put this convergence in place. So I think sort of having that action commitment and that that appetite for continuous improvement is a really strong factor in bridging the gap here and making sure it's you know incorporated into your cycles. Those are some great perspectives and insights from the both of you. So as we wrap up, I, I want to thank both Sherry and Kimberly for their perspective and insights on this very important topic of converging enterprise risk management, performance management. And as we close out, Sherry and Kimberly, I'll just ask you both, is there any research that you would point our members to that, that they should be looking at to learn more about this important topic area? Well, we have recently released one of our key performance studies in this area that we highlighted a few findings from, which is our enterprise performance management top performance study, where we took a closer look at a lot of these aspects that we just highlighted. We've also released recent research on practicalities of how some of these things get implemented, right? And that's straight from how we see our clients implementing different aspects of changes from a process perspective, information perspective. So certainly if there are interests to learn more, feel free to reach out. We're happy to take on any and all of those types of questions. All right. Well, thank you all for your time and attention today. And again, thank you, Sherry and Kimberly for educating our audience about this very important topic. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com.